0: Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, February 6th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. I think I, this is maybe way too early, but I think I sort of smelled spring this morning when I walked outside and that it's probably too early and maybe just wishful <laughs> thinking, but the temperatures warmed up a little bit in Paris. I don't know if you're seeing any signs of life in Cornwall.
1: Seeing a little bit of spring color.
0: Ah, okay. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Cool. All right. So um, interview season continues to be upon us. Uh, give me a little bit of a rundown. What's, what's been happening over the last week or so?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're seeing quite a lot of interview invites being rolled out on NBA Live Wire. Um, on 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 uh, Tuesday, saw a spate come out from Ross, yeah, um, and Stanford started about well, started, but but continues to um, roll out interview invites. Um, so several programs are um, inviting their candidates. Harvard on Wednesday, yep. uh, big is obviously a big um, sort of um marker there. So so lots of interview invites. So hopefully folks are doing lots of well, hopefully they're getting invited yeah. and that's turning into a lot of preparation.
0: Yeah. And we actually aired a special podcast for the Wharton um team-based discussion, which Wharton hasn't issued interview invitations yet. They're coming um soon, but we recorded a podcast where we talk about how to tackle that. So that's in the feed. If you missed it, and you think you're going to interview at Wharton or hoping to interview, you can go back and, and grab it. It's, it's in this podcast feed. And, yeah, we went through kind of everything, including a pretty detailed breakdown on, on this year's question and all that stuff. So we'll see how, how it goes. Fingers are crossed for everyone awaiting word from Wharton. Yeah. Uh, we also... And, and, and
1: just on, on, on that note, yeah, Wharton's not scheduled to release its interview invites till, uh, yeah, the middle of February. I wonder... If they might bump that up,
0: yeah, you never um, know.
1: But we'll see. Um, it's it's you know there. Lots of other schools are sort of um, rolling out. The suspicion is mm-hmm. app volumes are down. They're getting through their first review process a little bit more fluidly. So anyway, great putting that podcast together for for the team based discussion. So those applying to warning round to, it's worth listening to as you begin your preparation.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other thing is today at noon Eastern, we are doing our monthly Clear Admit Plus webinar. So if you're a Clear Admit Plus subscriber, come on out and join us and talk. Uh, we can <laughs> help you prepare for interviews. We can talk about you know how things are going, uh, application strategy for next year, like whatever you need. Um, we'll hang out for an hour and, and tackle questions. Over on the website, Alex, we've been there's been a lot of content um, that's that's come out, and there's even more that's kind of forthcoming that I'm really excited about. Um, one of the things we did an article on was the U.S. News online MBA rankings, and we don't we don't do a lot with online MBA stuff, but um, it's you know kind of that time of year where they rank, and you know the it's interesting to me is that I'll just share briefly the you know the, like what were the top. Um, the the top schools, right? So it's Indiana Kelly was tied for number one with UNC, uh, you know, Chapel Hill. So Kenan Flagler's uh, online MBA in second place, or really third, because there was a tie for first, um, we've got USC Marshall and then Florida, University of Florida is fourth place. And then we have a tie for fifth place between Carnegie Mellon University and University of Washington Foster. So the thing that always jumps out at me is that Amongst those sort of top five, or there are really six schools in the top five because of some ties. Um, all there are five of those programs that are really good, kind of traditional MBA offerings, and I think that plays a role in their ability to deliver a great online MBA. So, um, and that's not to say that University of Florida is not a good MBA program too. But I'm just saying when you think of like top twenty MBA programs, it's interesting how the online MBA space seems to be, for the time being, dominated by schools that. Have a top offering in the kind of traditional sense, with one exception that I wanted (laughs) that you know about, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like a a Friends episode. (laughs) Yeah, where's Ross?
0: Ross? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Ross didn't take part last year. This year they're back in the ranking, um, but they landed at number eighteen, and I'm not really sure why because I think their online MBA program is terrific, and and they are another you know kind of top twenty full-time MBA that offers online.
1: I'd put them in the tier above, Graham. I'm going to argue that point.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think, well, if you look at the regular full-time MBA rankings, Ross is a tier above some of these other schools that are currently ranking Mm. well for online. So all these other schools (laughs) is my point. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) let's get,
1: let's get to the point here. Where's Ross? Yeah, where's Ross?
0: (laughs) So in any event, um, this is just interesting. We'll see. I'm kind of wondering if it's because they didn't take part last year. So maybe there's some data where they're they don't have data, so they kind of. It may take a couple of years to kind of work right. their way into their natural spot, which could be at the top of this list. Although I will say, you know, Indiana Kelly and that at UNC um, e- online MBA, uh, they've been doing it for a while and they're really well established. Yeah. Um, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. There's, there's got to be some legacy history to that. Yeah, and yeah. Whilst in, in the full time. We wouldn't place Ross at, 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 at that level relative <laughs> yeah. to the other programmes yeah. being ranked. There's yeah, clearly there's some history in terms of these top uh, top place programmes have, have been in in this marketplace for, for quite some time. And of obviously more experience developing, um, you know, online offerings, which is different yeah, to an
0: in-person yeah. experience. So Still interesting, though, that Ross is the only top 16 traditional MBA that is in this space. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to stay that way. Like no chance. That'll, that'll no change. Chance. Yeah. So um, let's see. We also ran a Real Humans piece. Uh, where we profiled current students at University of Virginia Darden. That was a really nice piece. And um, we still have, I think there's another one of those coming, like we're not quite done with them. Some schools took us a little, took a little longer <laughs> to get back to us and um, connect us with students and things, but that's kind of fun. Uh, so read that if you're interested in Darden, great thing to read. We also uh, ran a piece where we summarized the latest employment uh, kind of career placement figures out of UT Austin McCombs. And so I'm going to share those figures as we always do on the show when we have them. And I'll get you to weigh in, Alex. So, starting um, with some of the basics, there were 241 graduates in the class of, um, I guess, in that in that class year. Or so that was at class 22, right? So, um, and 211 of them were seeking employment. So that you know, there's always going to be a batch that are they have a, they're going back to their current employer, or maybe they're starting their own business or something. But um, so that's the size of the group we're dealing with here. Uh, 90% received job offers by graduation. And the number actually increased to ninety five point three percent within three months. So that's very much in line with what we see elsewhere, and a tick up from last year, where it was like maybe ninety four percent had a job offer within three months. Uh, the median salary one hundred forty one thousand. That's up eleven k from one thirty last year. Uh, bonus thirty one thousand. So that lands right where we kind of would expect it to. Um, in terms of the industry and regional placements, I'll start with industries. They sent 31.6% of their class into technology roles. That's down from 34%, but still a pretty big number. They sent 30% into consulting. That's up somewhat dramatically from 22% last year. Uh, They sent about 18% into financial services, and that's just up a tick from 16.6% last year. Uh, Real estate is the fourth most popular area of placements at 4.6%. I don't have a figure for that last year because it wasn't in the top five um, last year. So it's kind of surged into the (laughs) top five industries. And then the last one is energy and utilities. 4.1% of the class went into that domain. That's actually fallen off. It was 5.7% last year. And the uh, industry that's not here that was last year is uh, consumer packaged goods. So they used to send 5.7% into that as well. And um, that fell off the top five list. So it might be number six, right? But it's not in this top five that we cover. Uh, Any thoughts on that, Alex?
1: Yeah, again, the trends are are, are similar to what we're seeing at other top programs. Tech's down, um, consulting up. It's either going to be consulting or financial services Mm -hmm. um, to sort of um, counterbalance tech. Um, And, yeah, no, no, nothing really unusual there. I don't think, Graham. the the median salary um, is, is good, solid, especially for that tier of program. Yeah. And obviously the bonus is right where (laughs) most of the schools are.
0: Yeah, and the only thing I would say that I think is interesting is that, you know, we talk sometimes about Macombs for tech because Austin is a bit of a tech hub. You know, there are a lot of major companies that Mm. are, you know, kind of there. I think Dell and um, and Apple has a big footprint there as well. But so it it definitely is just good to see that even in a, you know, they have this decline in tech, but it's still... 31.6% 31.6% of their class. So it's a, it's a good school for tech placements. Um, it's kind of leading the way, which we don't see. Most schools consulting might lead the way, right? So it's interesting. Um, it, it,
1: it exposes them too, though, Graham. I think <laughs> Pay, PayPal is the latest big tech company to lay off workers. So it's, it's, it's definitely a, a sector that's under a lot of pressure.
0: Yeah, definitely. It'll be really interesting to see what this all looks like next year. In terms of the regional placements, I don't think this will surprise everyone, but you know, the Southwest dominates, um, they sent 71.3% of their class into the Southwest, which just to be clear includes Texas, um, in case anyone was wondering. And within that, um, 71% or so, 97% are staying in Texas. So they're in different cities in Texas, like Houston, Dallas, and others, right, Austin. So just keep that in mind. Uh, That number is actually up. So it used to be 66% or so last year. So they've been inching up in terms of the number of folks that basically stay in Texas and work there. They sent 12% out to the West Coast. That's down a tiny bit from 13%, likely due to some of the declines in tech placement. They sent 6.9% to the Northeast. That's actually up a bit. Uh, They sent 4.8% to the South, also up just a bit, like a percentage or so. Um, And then they sent 3.7% to the Midwest. That's off. It used to be 6.6%. So that's off a little bit more. So anyway, interesting stuff out of UT Austin McCombs. Any thoughts on these regional placements, Alex? Yeah, I think it's good and bad,
1: isn't it? I mean, if you know you want to be in Texas in the long run, you go to UT Austin Mm -hmm. or Perhaps rice or, or whatever, they're very regionally focused in Texas. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 97% of 71%, that, that's got to be about 70% of their graduates are staying in the state.
0: Yeah, it's um, interesting.
1: Which, which I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, we talk about this with, with Stern and, and, you know, speculating the folks are staying in New York City probably, you know, Stanford in, in terms of staying in Northern California.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, um, there are some of these top programs that are really regional specific. Yes. Although I, I'm not sure what Stanford's a little bit of an outlier there because clearly mm-hmm. you can go anywhere from Stanford. It's just right. lots do choose to right. remain in Northern California.
0: USC falls into this category too, I would say. Yes, you know? so, correct. Um, yeah, so other than that, one, so we're working on an article that, May or not may or may not be online by the time this podcast airs, but it's about
1: you just can't wait to talk about this. I can, know. I know. Can you, <laughs> well, it's
0: about it's about um, finance and kind of financial service uh, services placements. And Elliot and our team's been working on it. and it's it's just fascinating because it breaks down, you know, obviously, which schools are good for financial services, but more specifically, buy side versus sell side. So, you know, venture capital, private equity, asset management versus investment banking. So really interesting stuff. And I wanted to ask you, well, we already talked about this, so I'm not going to quiz you on air. But one of the things that was fascinating to me was we were looking at which school sends the highest percentage of people into venture capital jobs. And lo and behold, if memory serves, it's Stanford. Um, And that's no surprise to anyone, right? But what was surprising to me was when we looked at the data by kind of raw numbers, and we saw What's you know what's the school that sends the most people? And you know most people's first reaction might be well maybe Harvard bigger class size much bigger class size than Stanford. But the way that it shakes out for the class of twenty two is that leading the way by placing fifty one people into venture capital is Wharton, followed by Harvard forty two people, and then Stanford placed thirty four students into VC. So those are the top three by percentage and by raw numbers. But that they kind of shuffle around when you get into um, if you look at percentage or raw numbers, the the exact ordering of them kind of changes quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean it's really interesting because, again, the initial intent of this article was to look at percentages and and you know for VC Stanford was clearly above then um, Harvard and then Wharton. Yeah. Or, or or maybe Wharton Harvard, whichever order that was. And and I I sort of looked at that and said, well, that that's true. They are in front, but. Um, given the class size differentials, um, I'm I'm betting both Harvard and Wharton will have a higher number. Yeah. So it's good to see that, that that played out. So what are the implications of this? I think the percentage number sort of shows you the focus of the program and its resources. So perhaps Stanford has a stronger focus mm-hmm. um, in the program on venture capital type resources and, and classes and so forth, but. The raw number um, um, figure will tell you the scale and size of the alumni networks and community and so forth in those industries. And VC is very much network driven and so forth. So so I think that really matters. I will say, I think if we look at the private equity side of it, percentage versus raw numbers, I think probably Harvard comes out on top there
0: in terms of raw numbers. Yeah, I don't yeah. have that because the article's not out yet. I don't have that in front of yeah. me, but yeah, I think, yeah, that's probably a safe bet. Uh, yeah, so let's get into our candidates, but I did I did want to plug, we have a few events coming up. So one is this Wednesday, uh, if I'm gonna, we're going to do a, an event about deferred enrollment. So if you're a college student or currently in a master's program that you started right out of undergrad, this is for you if you're thinking about an MBA down the road, right? So you can lock in a seat. And I'm really excited. This Wednesday, we're sitting down with admissions representatives. Usually, it's kind of the manager of the deferred enrollment program in, in the case of each institution. So we've got Columbia, Chicago, Stanford, MIT, and Harvard Business School all taking part. That's Wednesday at noon. You can still sign up. You got to go to bit.ly/defer23. D-E-F-E-R two three. So, and
1: this is the first event that you've run that Harvard is attending.
0: Yeah, we got. Yeah, we, this is the first year they they're taking part. I'm really excited about that. I mean, I yeah. think you know, obviously Stanford's done it for a while. Wharton. Yeah. So I guess it was yeah. only a matter of time before. Everyone saw the light. (laughs) Um, But anyway, yeah. And then we also, um, this Thursday, we're doing an Ask Me Anything with uh, University of California, Irvine, uh, the Mirage School of Business. And that's just a live chat. And you can sign up for that by going to bit.ly forward slash Mirage Live Chat, all one word, all lowercase. And then (laughs) on February 22nd, we are going to sit down with MBA students who are currently attending UNC. Uh, Berkeley, Wharton, MIT, SMU, Cox, and Chicago Booth, and that's going to be a lot of fun. We're basically going to um, people when you sign up, you can submit questions for them, and it'll just be really cool to to hear like what what it's like in these programs from people who are literally in these programs at the moment, right? So um, you can sign up for that. All this stuff's on our website, but you can sign up directly by going to bit.ly forward slash. R.H. Students Live, so that stands for real humans, so R.H. Students Live, all lowercase, all one word. So those are the events, Alex. Um, I don't have anything else uh, other than the candidates that we're gonna get to, so shall we get into it? Let's kick on. All right, so this is Wiretaps candidate number one. So our first applicant or candidate that we're gonna review comes from an ApplyWire entry. And Alex, you picked this one out. This candidate has nine schools on the target list, and they're in the act of applying, if memory serves. So they've got, uh, what is it? Cornell, Duke, ESA INSEAD London Business School, Ross, NYU, Oxford, and Chicago Booth. So they're kind of straddling you know, the, the Europe and, and US markets with these choices. They've been working in operations at a hedge fund, with over 50 billion uh, US dollars in assets under management, so a big hedge fund. They are based in India, and they want to pivot out of that role into consulting after business school. This candidate's been working for three and a half years. They have a 7.10 on the GMAT and a GPA of 3.81. They aren't really sure about where they want to land, whether it's US or Europe after business school. And yeah, I'll kind of leave it there. I know that you had some dialogue with this candidate and they were really kind enough to kind of actually respond to your questions, which we always love to see and, and you know, give us more information. So Alex, tell me what you think about this, because this is, you know, back office work and finance looking to get into consulting candidates in India. They applied in round two, I think, right?
1: Yeah, they applied in round two to some of these programs. They're applying in round three to some, some of the others, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, I mean, the candidate sort of counting stats are decent. I mean, th- their undergraduate GPA is very strong. Their GMAT 710 is going to be a little bit lower than average at some of these programs, right. but at average or above at some of the programs too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the GMAT's okay. Um, I say okay, obviously, in, in, in the context of superstars applying to business school. Right. Right. <laughs> um, um, that their work experience, as you say, sort of it sort of looks like it 's back office um, operations as they call it at a hedge fund um, and and they 've been promoted i think twice so they 're obviously doing well in their work mm-hmm. um, but nevertheless um, i, I don 't think there 's um, much of a customer facing role and so on and so forth so it'd be interesting to see how they articulate that growth and impact, which is always really important I mean obviously growth can be shown through the promotions. Um, and so forth. But, but that, that'll be interesting um, to showcase. The biggest concern that I have is that this candidate does appear to come from an overrepresented applicant pool. I'm making an assumption that they're male, but they're from India, um, working sort of an operations back office type role. Um, and if, if, if that is the case, then their chances would have been better if they applied in the first round, rather than spreading apps between round two and three. Um, So, you know, at the end of the day, that's, you know, since they've already applied to some of these programs, it's not much that we can guide them in terms of improvement, their candidacy at this point. But if they're not successful, um, if they refocus their energies and really um, come back as a reapplicant in round one, Next season, if they do decide to retake the GMAT, even an increase of ten or twenty points will make an impact, um, and they'll have time then to do that ahead of round one next season. But I'm a little concerned that this is a round two, three applicant for someone that looks quite overrepresented in the pool, Graham.
0: Yeah, I I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I do think you know they have a range of schools on their target list, but. You know, we talk about how, oh, they're, they're kind of at average for some of these schools, maybe below for others, maybe a tick above it some. But it the thing is, is that in their pool of overrepresented, let's assume Indian, we know Indian, let's assume male, because I just, that's my guess here, yeah. um, and back office work. I mean, that's kind of fairly common too. So I started to get nervous that they're in a hyper competitive pool where if we were to look at all the back office Indians who go to Oxford or you know, INSEAD or, you know, any of the U.S. schools on their list, my guess is that they have numbers that are usually north of the averages um, with these programs. So that makes me nervous. They also mentioned they don't really have many current extracurriculars. Um, They did in university, it sounds like. But so that also made me nervous because it's not like there's some other element of their candidacy they can hang their hat on that really would help them to stand out. So I agree, I mean, we'll see. It's possible that you know they have a diverse range of schools on the list, and so maybe they'll get um, some bites at some of these schools and, and, and end up getting in. I, you know, They should start hearing soon with respect to interview invitations and such, and so we'll see. But my advice to them would be, if they're not getting any nibbles and, and it doesn't look good, like you say, pivot, apply in round one next year, maybe work on your extracurriculars, maybe consider a retake of the test, um, to boost the score so that it's more kind of in keeping with, you know, the the part of the pool that you're sort of competing within. But that that would be my take on this candidate. Do they need to look at the next tier down, Graham? Well, I mean, it's interesting because these it's it's a kind of a strange list. I actually, I mean, I would love for them to decide where they want to be after business school because the fact that they have kind of both European and US schools, it's um, although they are applying to, you know, arguably a few of the best in Europe too, right? Yeah. So um I think if the numbers didn't change and the extracurricular stayed somewhat weaker, yeah, I would say they need to look one level down. Yeah. At least have some of those schools on the list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. No, I completely agree. Yeah. All right. So I want to thank that candidate for sharing their profile. Hopefully this advice, while not like, all positive is, is still insightful and helps them, especially if they do find themselves in a position where they have to retool and and go after a round one strategy for next year. So um, best of luck.
1: Yeah. And not forgetting the, the admit rate for reapplicants is generally higher anyway. Yeah, There's no stigma attached to being a reapplicant. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So we'll see, hopefully they'll keep us posted and yeah, fingers crossed that good news comes their way this year. But if not, I do see a path to them getting into a decent program. It just probably through round one next year if if it doesn't work this time. Uh, All right, so let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another entry that you picked, Alex, from ApplyWire. This candidate is targeting five schools, and those schools are Berkeley, NYU, Stanford, UCLA, and USC. So it's kind of California dreamin' plus Stern. (laughs) Um, They are looking to start school in the fall. They've been working in a kind of a sales role at a tech company. And they would like to get into either consumer goods or maybe a family business after business school. I think in the near term, with respect to that consumer goods stuff, they're thinking about maybe Nike. Uh, Their GRE score is 328. GPA, 3.43. And they've got six years of work experience and they indicate, I guess they've worked at a couple of different companies and they've been promoted. Um, it looks like they've had four, what is it, like four promotions. Yeah. So they've had a lot of promotions over the course of their time in these different firms. And yeah, I'll just kind of leave it there. So the, the questions I have for you, Alex, as you assess this candidacy is, you know, they're coming from a sales background. And sometimes we talk about what is, is sales well viewed, kind of, you know, is, is it? A kind of sexy area to be coming from when you're applying to business school or not. Um, but also just, yeah, you know, what do you think of the numbers and, and the school selection and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, quite honestly, I like this candidate. Um, um, you, uh, 328 GRE, I think, is a, a, very, a very good GRE score. Yeah. GPA is a little bit lower than average. I get that six years um, across two companies with four promotions. I think that's... Um, um, reasonably strong. Now it's interesting. This sales, oftentimes, there's a stigma attached to. Oh, you're only working in sales yeah. type sort of attitude with with uh, uh, top programs. But I'm I'm assuming this is B two B sales, and I think that yeah, B two B sales is, is is a much more sort of complex um, you know consumer journey to navigate and various other things. So. I've got to imagine actually this role their their progressive roles ie for promotions later uh, are very interesting um, so'm I'm, I'm going to give an uptick to 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 that um, and I also think they they're sort of extracurriculars they've been um, heavily involved in some really interesting initiatives um, they they um, identify as a member of the LGBTq community they've um, volunteer at a non-profit that helps um, within that community uh, with re- refugees and so on and so forth. Um, so that's almost like a double um, thing, refugees and LGBT.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, um, you know, I'd be interested to understand the real motivation for, for being involved in that particular non-profit and, and that sort of um, aspect. Um but quite frankly, Graham, I'm very um um upbeat on this profile.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Like I, I think um you know, the outside activities look good. Um, They, yeah, they seem like they're going to be able to stand out in the applicant pool because of some of the work they're doing in the, like you said, in the refugee community with LGBTQ stuff. So uh, yeah, I like this candidacy. And I think that, you know, the GRE score is really going to be above average at most of the schools on their list. I guess Stanford might be an exception, but, you know, for the most part, I think when it comes to how their kind of career is viewed on the one hand, I'm, I'm kind of torn on the one hand. I'm like, wow, you know, six years of work experience four promotions, they're clearly doing great work. Um, but like you say, sometimes sales is viewed a little differently, but I still think they're going to fight their way through and, and, and get offers at, at several of these programs. I guess the question for me was really coming down to, will they make the cut at like a Stanford? Um, or is it going to be more like the other schools on their list? And and so I, yeah, that, that's the part I'm kind of not a hundred percent sure of, I mean, they're going to know soon enough cause I guess they applied in the second round, but it is interesting. And I I think, yeah, I'm rooting for this candidate. I mean, there's a lot to like here and yeah, the GPA is a little below average, but the GRE kind of counters that a bit and, and yeah, good work experience, et cetera. So. I don't know. We'll see where, I mean, where do you think they're going to land?
1: I mean, if you, if they really nail that, what mean, what matters matters most to me and why, and it's threaded to their sort of personal experiences. And what we don't know here is what their long-term goal is. But if all that sort of narrative really ties together into a strong, powerful um, story, um, maybe they were an immigrant themselves um, and so forth. I'm not sure we, we know that. Um, but but yeah, Stanford might not be out of reach. Um, but that said, yeah, we don't know. But but they've got a. It's it's interesting. They've targeted Stanford, and then the next set of targets are sort of top ten, top sixteen. So they've they've missed. They've eliminated all the rest of the M seven, which mm-hmm. they probably might have fit. But I think the reason for that is they want to be in California. Yeah. Um, But Kellogg would have got them to California. Wharton would have got them to California um, and so forth. So maybe they've missed a little bit of an opportunity there.
0: I did want to also mention they, aside from the stuff we've talked about, they have a side hustle selling embroidery, which is interesting too, right? Because it's a creative um, activity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was starting to wonder about, like, do you have any point of view? Like, what if I were to tell you, like, we don't know for sure where this person's located. I think we're kind of assuming they're in the U.S., maybe even on the West Coast already. But it's not, it's actually not clear. I mean, they could be anywhere, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm betting 99% they're in California yeah. selling technology solutions.
0: Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. yeah, and I guess, you know, then the next question I would have is, what if I were to tell you this was an Indian American? Um, like, would that change the calculus here? I mean, I, I don't know, or... or Um, like, I just wonder,
1: yeah, it's possibly, I mean, then you're starting to talk about as, as our previous candidate, are they they overrepresented in the pool?
0: Yeah, that's hard to know. My guess is they're not overrepresented. I mean, I think they might be female, which could help. It's hard hard to know. We don't have all the data here. Right. So, um, yeah, tough to say. I like their username duck soup, um, (laughs) which I thought was kind of a good, (laughs) good username. I mean, more creative than some, so we've got to give them points for that. But I, I, yeah, so I think, this person's gonna get into some of these schools, uh, assuming they executed on the essays and things. And so it's just a question of how high will they fly here. Right. You know, we'll see. Right. I guess yeah, yeah, the verdict's not in, but hopefully it goes well. <laughs>
1: yeah, best of luck to them. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, excellent. So let's move on and talk about our final candidate. So this is Wiretaps candidate number three. So Alex, you picked out a decision wire entry as you've been doing for the last several weeks. I love talking about these, especially when the candidate's undecided, which is usually what you know what you pick here. Uh, so this is a candidate who doesn't know where to go. They applied to Berkeley, Columbia, Cornell, the Indian School of Business, uh, London Business School, Michigan, Kellogg, NYU, and Yale. So they applied to a lot of schools, and they ended up with several offers. So they got into Haas, they got into the Indian School of Business, they got into Ross, um, and Ross actually gave them a scholarship of $40,000, and they got into Kellogg. Um, There is one kind of caveat here, which is the Kellogg admission is for the Kellogg one-year program. So I just want to put that out there. Um, This candidate wants to work in consulting after business school. And while they do have McKinsey, Bain, and BCG on the list, they also have Kearney and Deloitte. And for some reason, they listed Tesla and Uber. So maybe they're um, considering tech jobs as well. Uh, Their GRE score was a whopping 331. And this candidate is located in Delhi, India. So they're kind of trying to decide what to do, and you know, on some levels, for them, I think they've ruled out Indian School of Business, and so they're really coming down to Ross, Berkeley, or Kellogg, and Kellogg's one year, so they're yeah, struggling with that. So what's your take here? What should they do?
1: Yeah, I think they should go to Ross. Interesting. Um, and, and, and these are the reasons why, and I'm probably making a few assumptions along the way. Um, I think we're assuming they're, transi- they're wanting to transition into consulting. Um, so if that's the case probably a two-year option versus a one-year option makes better sense Um, and yeah surely the opportunity cost of the one-year Kellogg program is much less but if they want that experience in the United States and so on and so forth which is always part of a calculus for for, um, some international students then the two-year program gives them a longer um, period of time for that um but also the opportunity for internships and so forth for if you're doing a career transition is going to be greater in in the two year experience so for those reasons, I would put ross and and Cal- uh, ross and and hass above now hass would make perfect sense to me if they knew they wanted to be in northern California after their Um, MBA. I think the reason why we sort of think of Haas as being in a tier slightly above um, Ross and Duke and Darden and Stern and so on and so forth is the sort of the halo effect of their location and the the idea of, of, you know, working in tech in Silicon Valley or on the finance side in Silicon Valley, whatever it might be. So if that's not part of their calculus, then to me, that sort of puts Ross at par with a program like Hass, um, and Ross is offering them a little bit of money, um, so thirty or forty thousand. So for all that, Graham, that would be my argument for Ross.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I hear you loud and clear on the Kellogg one year maybe being ruled out because. When you look at the statistics around the number of hires that come into these consulting firms via the internship program, it's like off the charts. Yeah. I mean, they, they're not hiring that many people who have an intern. So I think for a candidate who presumably is not working in consulting now doing the two-year MBA is smart. I do feel like, you know, then it comes down, like you said, Haas versus Ross. Um I think one of the things I did is I started to look, like you were saying, like, oh, Haas has this amazing reputation because of being in the Valley and, and you know, in that sort of tech sector. Yeah. Um, but I looked at the consulting figures and, you know, Ross sent 42% of their graduating class into consulting last year for the class of 22. And it was 28% at Haas. So there's a definite edge there when you look at consulting placements. And you might say, oh, you know... Let's look at MBB placements and then maybe it becomes more even, but this person doesn't just have MBB on their list. Like they've got Deloitte, they've got Carney, they're willing to go to, you know, more than just those three. And so I think that kind of, that with the money that they're going to get from going to Ross, $40,000, it sort of does point in that direction. Again, it's their call to make, they should probably spend some time talking to current students at each program or even ideally attending a welcome event, that kind of stuff. But yeah, this seems to point in that direction. So I agree with you. And I think our colleague Elliot had said the same on, on the site too.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think absolutely. I'd, I'd just take up one point that you made um, with MBB. I don't think that um, matters that they've expanded their list. I think a program that clearly offers a greater pipeline to MBB Offers a greater consulting opportunity mm-hmm. for its candidates. So, if Haas does have that greater pipeline for MBB um, than Ross, then yes, that to me, even for a candidate like this, is a check in the box for Haas.
0: Okay, yeah, so they need to dig into this. They should look at the data. I know, I think Ross is one of those schools that actually publishes. Specific statistics around the number of people that they're placing at each of these firms
1: and maybe going after their consulting clubs They can
0: yeah talk do a with deeper
1: them dive into that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would do yeah. that outreach So um, in any event great problem to have congratulations I should have said to this candidate for yes, getting into fantastic. Berkeley Kellogg and, and Ross all great schools and the Indian School of Business So they, they you know applied to a bunch of schools and came out with a bunch of offers. So that's really great uh, Alex, thanks for picking out these um, candidacies as always for us to discuss uh, yeah, so I guess we'll we'll come back in one week's time and do it all again if you're willing. And yeah, thanks a lot, Alex.
1: Very good. take care everyone. Stay safe.